Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share with my brothers and sisters through your word, Father God. And I just pray that you would open their minds and hearts to receive your word, Lord, and, and also to have the discerning spirits reject, which is not from you, Father, but only to test it through the scriptures, Father, and just encourage and, and just lift us up, Father, because we're in a world today where we need your strength. We need your scripture, and uh, we need that wisdom from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone sad? Amen. Amen. There's an outline for you if you'd like to follow along. What's funny is this, uh, this pulpit, I'm so used to our church, has this huge, humongous pulpit. You know it, remember, Patty? It's about the size, you know, and you can kind of hide behind it, you know? <laughs> kind of feel exposed here a little bit, you know? But uh, do you believe it's time to have joy now, or do you just wait to heaven to have joy? I think we can have the joy of our salvation right now. As I was reading this little joke about this young girl who went to uh, her mother and said, Mom, where did we come from? And she says, well, you know, God created Adam and Eve, and then we're descendants from Adam and Eve. So the little girl laughed. You may have heard this joke, but she went to her other room to ask her dad, Dad, where did we come from? And he says, well, millions and millions of years ago, life began in the sea. You know the story, right? And then after millions of years, life crawled up on the land. And after millions of years, it became um, monkeys, evolved into monkeys. And then after more millions of years, Evolved to us. Now the little girl, she's totally confused, a little bit completely. So she goes back to her mom. Mom, dad says we came from monkeys. And the little girl, the mom says, no, he's just talking about his side of the family. <laughs> you know, once you accept Jesus Christ, and I hope that all of you have, and if you haven't, you know, I'd be glad to stay a little after if you'd like to just be prayed with and have any questions, I'd love to answer those for you. But, you know, once we've accepted Christ in our life, now what? I wrote, I wrote, so what is God's will for all believers? What's God's will for you specifically? And how do I play God? How do I apply God's word in today's world? You know, I cannot remember a time when politics were more outrageous, right? It's on everybody's talking about politics. And there's a lot of angst, a lot of taking sides, isn't there? You know, and it's, and it's you get this. I don't know, this strife that, that I've never seen before. And, and I was thinking, I don't care if it's real news. I don't care if it's fake news. We need to be about what? The good news. Amen? And you know, and I don't want to win an argument. I'd rather win someone to Christ, wouldn't you? And so we have to just always have that in mind. I like to say I look at politics like a car wreck. You know, you, you're tempted to look, but it's better to do what? Look away and pray for those involved. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be informed and know how to vote we should and we want christians involved but we don't want to be our mind and our everything our attitude all caught up into this furor if you will if you've heard me speak before i probably don't have a message that i've ever given that i didn't have philippians 4 8 9 and you probably know it but you should put it to heart and it says finally brethren whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely what is of good repute if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Isn't that what we need to have our mind on? I'm, I preach this because I'm vulnerable to this. I can get caught in the news, and next thing you know, I'm thinking about all those things and having those arguments in my own mind, you know. And it's kind of more, it's real evident in my car, I have XM radio. Anybody have XM at the home or anything like that? Well, there's a button, and I can put a news set to news, or I can turn that button off, and I have one I set it to spa. 
you know, spa. And spa is trickling water and nice song. And it's just the opposite feeling for my spirit. You understand? And I think that's the more spirit. And that gives me time to think about the scripture. Think about good things and not get caught up into the things that uh, are not important. You know, and Jesus lived in a very similar time, much worse, really. I mean, they were living under Roman rule, which was harsh. You know, like Jesus said, if they said, carry my backpack, soldier, you'd have to carry all that heavy gear for two miles. There was heavy taxes in addition to what the uh, church was asking for. There was special treatment for Roman citizens. And You remember the story of the woman that Jesus spoke to at the well, the Samaritan? See, at those times... Jews despised the Samaritans. In fact, it was unusual that the, the disciples and Jesus were even going through Samaria. Usually they took this long ride around. They would avoid Samaria. And it even says that the disciples had, who had run an error to get food and stuff, they, they saw Jesus speaking to the woman, and it says they were shocked. They were shocked that he was talking to a Samaritan and a woman like that because there was discrimination and there was racism then. There was this division back then. And uh, it was prejudice. There was sexual immorality. We went uh, about three years ago to uh, Italy. And one of the side trips we took was to Pompeii. And we, it was a holiday, and it was just packed, crowd, and we walked around and looking, and they'd have these areas where the vendors sold things. But the biggest crowds that the tour guide took us to was the House of Prostitution. And after all these years, they had all these still plain-to-see graphic depictions on the wall. You see, it was a, it was a hub of trade. And so the people often didn't speak the same language. So it was like a menu. They would just point. And they had their version of pornography back then. They had walls that had peepholes. So one would pay for something and no one else would pay for a peephole. So the perversion was out there too. The Jews and the Gentiles were divided. So, you know, geez, these words of Christ were just as applicable as it is today for us. So sh- how should we live? In today's world. And some of this is review. I know you know it, but it's good to hear it again. Our goal, number one on your outline, our goal is to love God. Love God and to love others and to share Christ. Those three things, if you get those right, believe me, you're, you're doing well. Amen? To love God. And it says, it says, Matthew 22, 37 says, Jesus replied, and he was trying to be tricked by the Pharisees because, you know, they had all those hundreds of laws that had taken the Ten Commandments and expanded them to volumes of rules and regulations and laws. And so they were looking for a different answer, and Jesus, always in his wisdom, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Is the golden rule, you've heard the golden rule, is the golden rule in the Bible? You know what the golden rule is? To love your neighbor as yourself? I mean, and do unto others as you would do, have them do unto you. That's the golden rule. Well, it is. It's in Luke 6, 31. It is. The golden rule is in the Bible. It's do unto others as you'd have do unto you. And I heard a pastor speak recently, and he talked about the platinum rule. The platinum rule is, you know, if you have had a credit card and you get the gold card, what's better than the gold card? The platinum card, right? You know? And so they have the unlimited, uh, you can really go in debt, you know? <laughs> but the platinum rule just says this, don't assume that you know what they want. Take time to find out what your neighbor wants. And then meet those, make those your goal. And it's not changing the golden rule, of course. It's just 
stressing the point that we get to know our neighbors, get to know our fellow man, and then care about those needs. So it's easy to say, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I remember years ago at Calvary Chapel, um, uh, Mike McIntosh's church in North Park, and, and, and a guest speaker, was a little prayer warrior, and he asked, who wants more love? Who wants more love? And everybody raised their hand. But it's not just easy. I just can't say, have more love. You just can't wake up. I'm going to have more love. It's, not, it's just not that easy. It takes effort. It takes some steps. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, and we can see a little bit of what Jesus was saying about loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Because you'll see that these two commandments are really one, that when you love your fellow man, you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind. It says in verse 34, verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? needing clothes and clothe you. When did we see you sick or in prison and go? Then the key will apply. I tell you the truth. Whatever you do to one of these least of the, our brothers of mine, you did to me. So this is really instruction on how to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, is to do unto others, to really care about the needs of others. That's how we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And that's great to worship. That was awesome worship here. And it's great to fellowship other believers. But... If we just hold it to ourselves, that's not loving God, is it? We need to take that love and share it. St. Francis Assisi said, Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. I like that. And people use it. I, know, I saw that at uh, Bush's funeral. I heard, heard that and I wrote it down. When necessary, use words. What's that indicating? You know, they see your witness is your life and just your actions and your demeanor and your love and your kindness is, is a stronger witness than the Bible. You know, I used to say when we, uh, I was a real estate broker and, and we did sales training and stuff, and we'd say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And so really we talk about in Calvary Chapels, we often speak of friendship evangelism, and that, that making friends with people, letting them get to know you and let them see your heart. And then it opens the door for sharing versus a bumper sticker or some, uh, Arrogant post on Facebook, you know, repent, turn or burn or something. You know, we really, that doesn't share the love of Christ. And second, our goal, I mentioned, was the great command in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. And lo, I'll, I'm with you always, even to the, to the end of the age. So if we could love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, love our neighbor, and then share Christ, you know, then you don't have to worry about the minutia. When, again, going back to when I was a real estate agent, I'd work with many Christians, and sometimes they would get caught up in God's will, you know. I don't know if it's God's will for me to have this yellow house. Is it God's will that I have the green house? And, and you know, I think God's closing the door because it needs a new water heater, you know. And I go, you know, when they went to the promised land, they had to kind of knock the walls down and kind of occupy it, you know. It's not every little thing. You have, it's God's looking at your heart. He wants your heart right. He wants the big picture. 
You know, and I think of the story of Abraham and Lot. It says that they got their herds and stuff got so big. What Abraham said to Lot, what did he say? He said, if you go east, I'll go west. If you go west, I'll go east. Because Abraham could say that because God had promised Abraham. God's blessing was upon him. And whatever which way he went, I believe God would have still blessed Abraham. He was not going to say, oh, you shouldn't have bought the red house. You should have bought the green. You know, God's will is bigger than that. He's interested in spiritual things. He wants us heavenly minded. And he'll bless us, you know, in these things. Obviously, we need to be in prayer and not overspend and things like that. I'm not saying that. But if we can focus on loving God and, 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 and loving others, these things will come about. But there's a problem. Don't we have a problem carrying out being a Christian? I know I wake up every day still a sinner. Amen? Saved by grace. And, and we're going to read this here in Paul. If you're a new believer, uh, if you've never really looked at Romans chapter 7, 8, and 9, those scriptures, it's really good read talking about that change, that old self versus the new, and this battle we have with our old carnal nature, our flesh. Yes, we accept Christ. Yes, we're changed. Yes, our past is all new. But now we wake up still. That sin nature, until we're with Christ, we still have. We still have that battle. It's, the Bible tells us that our battle is not just against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. There's even a spiritual battle that we don't even see. You go out those doors, guess what? There's things you may not see. There may be spiritual force of wickedness right there, ready to tempt you, ready to throw you off your, your good day, to, to tempt you. And whatever your weakness is in the flesh, guess what? Who's going to put it right before you? Who's going to offer it up to you? Satan will. He'll say, oh, this is your area of weakness? Here it is. You know, go ahead. So Paul says here in Romans, says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not. But I, what I hate to do. So I do the very thing I, I hate. And if and this is a difficult scripture to read, by the way. It's almost the way it's written, the rhythms. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. This is Paul the Apostle. Paul, Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle. <laughs> he say, you know, that we have this struggle. So if Paul's having this struggle, you know we do, right? We have this struggle. And it's a battle. You know, we'll see later some different things we have to do. So our flesh, our sinful nature, temptations of the world are being waged against us. And there's a spiritual battle going on too. And I added this in and it's something that the Lord has spoken to me about. And, it, and I, it's on your outline. It says the three worst words in any language. Anybody have a guess? Huh? Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's I wrote it's I don't care. I don't care. Do you have any anybody with parents or grandparents in, in here? Yes, right? And are you in parents? Well, impart upon your kids the danger of those three words. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what my parents say. I don't care if I hurt someone. I don't care who sees me. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what the law is. I don't care who hears me. I don't care what you think. And worst of all, I don't care about the unsaved. Not caring about others is the opposite of the greatest command. Those are very dangerous words. Prisons are full of people who had to say consciously or subconsciously, I don't care. I don't care if this is against the law. I don't care if I hurt. I don't care if I drink and drive 
And if that could hurt someone, I don't care. And, and, if, and part of your children, if they start to say that, I've had my, ch- my own children say that, I don't care, blah, blah, blah. And I go, oh, no, you do care. Do care. Don't let those words come in your mouth. Because, you know, Adam and Eve had to say that in the garden. I don't care, right? I'm going to take this fruit anyway. I'm going to disobey God. And so you add these difficulties to this highly charged world environment. I have some good friends. I have friends that are unsaved. I golf with these, some of these buddies. And, and, we, and you get in politics, they often will resort to really snarky comments, kind of unkind, you know, name-calling, right? And how you react as a Christian is sometimes more important than what you're saying. You know, we're told to turn the other cheek, to respond in love. I could be snarky back. I'm pretty clever. I bet I could say a few things that would hurt, right? Couldn't you all? You go, yeah, let me out. Let me out. No. No. It's, you know, we're t- turn the other cheek. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Again, I would rather them know me as a Christian than as a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or anything like that. Real strength is power under control. You know, I'm six foot four, pretty big guy, still getting old, a little weaker, but if some little four-year-old came and started hitting me, am I really threatened by am I really threatened? No, of course not, you know? And he responded, love, settle down, Johnny. You know, these are my grandkids, but I don't have a grandkid named Johnny. I guess I should say Dylan or something. But, but you need to see yourself as a Christian like that, that, you know, God is for us who can be against you. You know, you have, you're a child of God. You know the truth. You know the way, the truth, and life. You don't have to win every argument. It's more important that you impart love and kindness. Not Because really, if you look at anger, it comes down to pride and fear. And we haven't been given the spirit of fear, have we? You know, why are we afraid of, you know, I'm afraid they're going to disrespect. I'm afraid they're, you know, they're going to think that whatever, what they, you know, how dare they, you know? And then your pride, how dare they? And so, you know, there is a righteous anger like Jesus had when he was in the temple. But righteous anger is usually on, on helping and support the protection of somebody else. There are instances where anger is appropriate. But most of the time, if you look at it and you first start, start getting mad, ask yourself, is there any pride involved, God? Am I afraid of, you know, am I looking out for myself too much? I wrote down James 3, 5, because it, it, often it's, these battles happen with our tongue, too. It says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Oh, God, I was meditating on this scripture, and, and I, for some reason I started looking back at my life, and I've blown it so many times. There's so many times I'd like to have the old fishing reel and roll in the words I had said, don't you? Or you have those times, you go, oh, man. Or times in which God presented me an opportunity to share Christ. And I was chicken. I clammed up. I held back the truth. I, I resisted. I, I, I had apathy. You know, it's easy to say that hate is the opposite of love. But if you really think about it, apathy more often is the opposite of love. That, that not caring enough to share. Not caring enough. It's, it's the worst. Apathy. Our love and our kindness express in how we act. Now, another scripture I'll give you that personal to me and is james three seventeen one that i've put to memory but it's the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable gentle reasonable full of mercy which is kindness and good fruits unwavering without hypocrisy so all of you having a difficult decision at work or at home put it to the test go to james three seventeen and say god is this pure in other words do i have any false motives do i have selfish motive am i really looking out for others in your will or if it's something selfish is it peaceable is it gentle 
Is it reasonable and full of kindness? And, and what's the good fruit going to be of it? Is it without, am I not being a hypocrite? You can find it help you a lot of your decision tree. So I'm actually doing very well on time, you know. I'm going to start speaking very slow. Now, <laughs> my biggest stressor was I was, went through this message several times and I kept going to clocking because I was trying to, you know, respect. I don't like to run over. That's the guest speaker's worst thing is run way over, right? But so if I finish fast, be, hey, all right, he, you know. Is there donuts and coffee outside? He's done. But, you know, uh, our solution to this problem, and, and again, there's so many. I'm only just giving you the overview of things that, you know, but there's, we have more, there's more difficulties and challenges as being a Christian, I mentioned. But there's also more solutions. But if you want to fill these in on your outline, number one is stick to God's word, not man's words. Amen. You know, I was that that reading had early making wise this simple. I so identify with that. I do, and I'm still such a very simple person. And and not my wife is so smart. You know, she plays Jeopardy and she answers all the questions before they're, you know, anybody else. He wins the final Jeopardy, and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. you know, I'm like, wow, how do you know all that stuff? But making wise the simple, you can share Christ, you can swear Scripture, and come across pretty wise because it's not your wisdom; it's whose? It's God's wisdom. You know. And uh, so making wise the simple. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. <clears throat> Well-known scripture. We'll start right there. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Are there mockers today? Yes. Are there wicked people who would want to influence you? Yes, they are. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whether, whatever he does prospers. Not so are the wicked. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. His delight, and to think about Scripture day and night, you know, to tie it. They used to tie them together. You know, keep in mind, they didn't have a Bible to carry around. So a lot of times they were carrying around Scriptures in little ways, you know, writing them, tying them to the wrist, the Scriptures. We have the Bible. I mean, keep it with you. You know, put Scriptures, keep Scriptures with you. Memorize them. Meditate on them. Take this outline and review it. And pin it up, you know. So God's Word, not man's Word. You know, are colleges teaching God's word these days? The, the, the regular? No, of course, the ch- children aren't getting taught God's word unless it's a Christian college. They're getting all the man stuff. I wrote down, because <clears throat> there's things the Bible's difficult. There's some difficult things that, you know, we lost a good friend last year, you know, and you go, why do bad things happen to good people? There's a lot of difficult things in the scripture. But I wrote down, I trust God in the things I don't understand because of what is clear. And what is clear? It's so clear that God loves us. This love story from Genesis through Revelations is a love story. And he has great plans for us. We're his children. And, and Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house there are many mansions. We have mansions waiting. That's pretty cool, right? I would take a mobile home, you know, anywhere in the back lot of heaven. I just want to be there, right? You know, I know there's many people who deserve mansions. I'm not one of them, you know. But just get me in, God. Just get me in. I just want to be... 
Proverbs 3, 5, and says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and, or submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You know, we've got to put our trust in God's word and not in our own understanding or what we're seeing on television. You know, but don't give up on people. Pastor Dave, our pastor, last week was sharing because he has that same angst against Hollywood, you know, and, uh, you know, they think they're so wise and they think they're so moral and, and you know, like, er. but he said, you know, he'd met a pastor that lives in Hollywood and has weekly Bible study with Hollywood people. And he said, there is a little mini uh, revival in there. there. So you might not know. He says, you know, just when you think give up, right? I'm writing that whole group off. What, did, we're, aren't we thankful that no one gave up on us, right? Yeah, don't give up on people. Even as mean and snarky and harsh as they seem, love them. You don't know, God will do amazing things. When I was a park ranger uh, many years ago, I worked at Felicita County Park up in Escondido. And we'd get these seasonal, uh, just summer workers. And this one kid came, he had long hair, and he's all like cool, and thought he was, you know, he's all smart aleck, really. <laughs> but he was nice, and I just loved him, you know, and he liked the other ranger he worked with because they were worldly. They, I'd come into work in the office, and they'd be looking at a Playboy, and I'd be bringing in my Bible, you know. And they, we got along, but there was a little, there was light persecution, you know what I mean? Through snarkiness and comments. But I just loved him, and I prayed for him, and and I'm not taking credit or anything, but I'm just saying this is, I remember being tested in this. And uh, he left. He was just there for a couple months. And then about six or nine months later, I forget, we were at Calvary Chapel Escondido. And we had really awesome worship and everybody just singing and raising their hands. And we really praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, this young man in front of me turns around, looks at me, and it's this young man. And I didn't recognize him. His hair was all short and his mustache gone. He looks at me like, and he's just singing and praying. Because I didn't know this is what you were talking about. You know, I didn't know this is what you were talking about. You know, a lot of times you think, you know, oh, they, you think they get it. You don't, they don't always know. You know, it takes the Holy Spirit drawing them, you know. He didn't know. And it was such a neat thing to see that young man turned, along, turned around. Don't always know. Number two on your outline, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Turn with me to Second Peter. And if you go out with anything and Bill will ask you next week, what was the message about? I hope you'll say Second Peter 1, 3 through 8 and go back to it. Because it was one that really got me to want to do this message. It was really Second Peter 1 through 8. And it's, I've got it underlined and highlighted. I think it's really cool. Listen to this. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life. And godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and God goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in, this, in the world caused by evil desires. See that? So it's really addressing what we were talking about. The world we live in. And then he says this. For this very reason make every effort, effort to add to your faith goodness. And to your goodness, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that, you know, I always like to look back at my life and hope that I'm a little better than last year. If I feel like if I'm having progress, that's a good sign, right? You know, 
Let me hope the Lord help me to be a little better next year. I blew it this year. You know, we well, remember I used to go to school, you and kids. I, I remember this every summer. We had long summers off. We had like three months. Wasn't that awesome? You know, we used to have these huge summers. And I was always disappointed in the year bef- that I had before. And I always thought, this year I'm going to be cool. This year I'm going to be likable. I'm going to be different, you know. And I'm going to, you know, think somehow I had this recommitment, you know. And I want to be different and better, you know. And But here we as Christians, we can be increasingly we want to improve in these, all these areas. Check, okay, my your uh, New Year's resolutions. Help me to have more goodness and more self-control. You can go right down that list. So important. Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's our key, is, is to have God help us do these things. We, can't just, we just can't get up and say, I'm going to be this or I'm going to do that, right? We need to get up and say, God, help me. God, help me pray for wisdom. You know, they, they said, if you lack faith, pray for faith. Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. You know, and then by doing, a lot of times by doing, you get better at it. I'm just going to step out in faith and share God's word. I'm just going to step out and go visit someone in the hospital. I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to get uncomfortable. I'll never forget the day I was going to that Calvary Chapel, Escondido. I would just come back from, uh, I was backslidden, and I was still just sort of a baby Christian in a way. And I, I thought, well, I'm going to pass out bulletins in the back. I'm going to volunteer to be the guy at the door. That, you know, I can do that. I think I can do that, right? So I go to the pastor and say, you know, I, I'd like to get involved, do something. I think I could pass out bulletins. And I don't want to say this damn, I'm never volunteering. He goes, no, Steve, I think you should start a home fellowship. <laughs> I'm like, what? Go a home fellowship? Yeah, I think we're going to have you do a home fellowship, and then we're going to do it with Scott. And, and we did, and, that, and we ended up doing home fellowship for years. And so I'm like, no, where's the bulletins? I don't think I ever passed out bulletins. Went right to a uh, home fellowship leader. But that's how God will reward you sometimes, uh, challenge you when you go out like that. Number three on your outline Pursue righteousness and God's will for your life. Pursue righteousness. Righteousness, what does that mean, righteousness? It's kind of a fancy word, but it's right living, right living. First Timothy six eleven through 12 says, But you, man of God, flee from all this, which he was speaking specifically about the love of money, but you could just say sin, flee from sin, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and good gentleness. Fight the good fight. Of the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. There's a fight involved. Is there a fight? Is there a spiritual battle? We have to put on our full armor of God. Yeah. Do you have to get up every morning, get prayed up and ready to go? If you don't, you're going to, you open that door. Guess who's ready to slap you in the face? The world, Satan, right? You need to be prayed up and ready. You got to put that full armor of God on every day, all the time. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you were made good your confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know, they have that, animals have what they call the fight or flight thing. You've heard of that? And the Bible, you really see it in the Bible. There are times where we're told, you know, the youth, flee those youthful lusts. You know, remember Joseph, he was by Potiphar's way, he had to run and flee. There's times when we're told to get out of there, get out of that bar, get out of that situation, get away from those people. Don't be there, run, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> But there are times when we're told to fight, resist Satan, resist, put on that armament and to really fight the good fight, faith. 
It's also in Matthew 6.33, you know it well, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is our response to the worries and the cares of this world, the worries and the cares. Remember um, the parable of the sower and the seeds, right? Everybody remember it? Raise your hand if you remember it. I know you because this is a good body here, I can tell, real smart. Smart, I'm going to test you, okay? No, but anyway, there was the good soil, right? And there was those that fell among the rocks, and there was that fell among the thorns. Now, it's been beautiful seeing these California poppies and flowers. We went out in Santee and went in the mountains last week, and it's gorgeous. And they, I guess there's traffic jams up in Lake Elsinore for these flowers. But like Steve was saying earlier, what do we have with that also? Weeds. My backyard, same thing. So many weeds. And the weeds want to do what? Choke out the flowers, and they choke out your gardens. And these things, it says that, Throw out, lay aside every encumbrance. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since you have such a great cloud of witnesses around us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on the author and perfect of our faith. And sin entangles us and encumbers us. We need to be unencumbered by the cares of the world. We need to be heavenly minded. You know, if it says, If you walk by the Spirit, you won't carry out the deeds of the flesh. So we need to have a light touch on earth. And, you know, we need to do our practical things, raise our kids, have jobs. We understand that. But our mind, our heart, loving God with all heart, soul, and mind is putting it there. You know, and and you have to ask yourself, you know, what are the weeds in your life? What's maybe holding you back? What's what's entangling you right there to, to bother you or to keep you from being the effective Christian that God wants us to be? Did I give you all four on your outline? Am I missing anything? Did I skip any? Four, okay, because I, I know sometimes I can do that. I get jumping on. Okay, number four is do not love the world or the cares of the world. Okay, I put it in red so I wouldn't forget. First John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, then love of the Father is not in them. That's what I was talking about, that light touch. The lust of the flesh, the, the pride of life, the cares of the world. And they're there. And, and it's easy not to get seduced in the cares of the world. You know, I like some things. I like travel. I, God, there's a, put a lot of beauty in nature and stuff too. But there's also the cares of the world, the earthly cares of, of trying to make mu- too much money or, or wanting possessions and, and pride-driven things. Do not love the world or the cares of the world. Don't let those things encumber you. So do not love the world and the cares of the world is number four for your outline. There'll be a test, by the way. In conclusion, I got about a five-page conclusion, so. So um, remember, and I probably still happens, you go to the beach and uh, they have the green flags and the red flags. They still do that, right? And what's the red flags mean? So there's a rip current there possibly, or danger, right? And the green flags are for it's safe to swim. And I remember, even as a kid, you know, you're out there, you're having fun, your body surfing, and you're jumping, all of a sudden, you, the big, tall, nerdy kid, you. You need to come out of the water, you know, and then walk up the beach back to the green flags. Yeah, you. Yes, you. Okay, okay, you know, come out, and you get up, and you go, and you walk, 
And you got, and you realize, and what happened? You didn't know it. You were playing, having fun, and you had drifted way down the beach. You didn't realize it, right? And you were probably getting close to a rip current, like take you out to sea. It's crazy when we, uh, I got time for a story. I got, we went a few years ago, uh, to, uh, uh, Caribbean on a cruise thing. And this one island, I has, I was scuba diving, I had scuba dive, and I had scuba dived in the lower part of the island. And I had called up and said, hey, how's the scuba diving? He says, well, if you come up here, you can snorkel right off from this dive site, and you can look down, and you can see, get an idea of what there is to see. So we went there, and my wife, she went snorkeling in this little bitty, like, swing pool area that was totally protected in, like, a little alcove. And there was plenty of fish right there. But I went out, and so I was looking down for the scuba divers and stuff, and I'm enjoying my life, and da-da-da-da, and relaxing, looking. And I lost track of time, I guess. I just had my head in the water. I didn't know it, but I had been caught up in a current. And after some time, I don't know why, I was daydreaming or something, I look up, and I'm out in the middle of the ocean. And moving, like this. I'm moving about this fast, out to sea. <laughs> and I, and you, I couldn't wave, there was no one, and I just had my snorkel gear on. And it was insane. And I'm like, oh. And it was going at a 45-degree angle. And I look, well, if I go swim sideways to this current, that way towards the ocean, so the sh- I mean, the island, it was all giant sharp rocks with waves crashing. And I could just see myself just being battered to death if I go that way. And if I go to the right, I'm just going more out to the ocean. So I died. It was terrible. No, no. No, so I did what you're not supposed to do. I, I go, I, don't, I want to go back that way. And it's right into the current. But I have flippers. Maybe if I just, I can go... And I did, but boy, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I'm thinking, don't let me have a heart attack, God. Please, please, you know. And um, one of my favorite movies of all time was, well, not all time, but one of my, a fun movie was called The End with Burt Reynolds. And it was a comedy. And Burt Reynolds had hired Don DeLuise money to kill him because he was too chicken to commit suicide. He wanted to end his life. So the whole movie is Don DeLuise. But then he, but as soon as he had paid him, he said, no matter what I say, don't let me change mind. You got the money. But he immediately changed the one to live, right, this movie. So the whole, it's a comedy, and he's always running from Dom DeLuise. But then he finally decides, yes, I'm going to take my life. And he goes out in the ocean, and he's walking deeper and deeper, and next to the waves, and over his head. And all of a sudden, he panics and realizes, I don't want to die. But now he's ready to, he's out, he's like almost drowning. And he starts swimming back to shore, and he's real far out. And he's saying, God, please save me, God. If you save me, I'll tithe 90%. I don't know if you might saw this movie. I'll tithe 90%, God. And he's pleading with God to save him. And he gets a little closer, and he goes, God, just save me, and I'll give you 80%. <laughs> and you can see how this goes. He keeps swimming, and it gets to 70. You know? And then, then, God, 10%. You know, the next thing he's on the shore, and he's thinking, you know, he'd gotten it down to like nothing. Isn't this how we are? You know, we really plead to God when we're in trouble. And so the, that's how the movie ends, because Dom DeLuise jumps out from on a rock with a knife about this big, and he's running down the beach, and Burt Reynolds is running, 90% God, 90%. <laughs> and I thought, oh, what a picture of the Christian faith sometimes, a bad one, right? But, but that's the way I felt. I'm, I'm swinging back, God, 90%, you know? <laughs> and I got back. I did, I, I did get back, but, you know, it's... But anyway, this back to the green flags and the red flags is the we've had a moral decay in America and the morals have been drifting further and further away. We as older folks, we remember the days when it was, you know, my three sons and clean TV and clean movies and stuff. 
And the, what the kids see these days, what's on TV and movies, right? The moral decay is unbelievable. And, you know, so the, the morals have drifted. And so morally, as Christians, we sometimes need to just get out of the water and walk back up the beach to God's word and where God wants us to be and not be compromised by the world. Amen? Because that's where it's drifting. We get caught up in that drift and we don't even realize. It might seem like the normal now. It's not the normal. It's not what God wants. 1 John 4.15 and 16 says, If anyone acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love of God has for us, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Ephesians 5.2 says, Live a life of love. Back to the whole theme where it's with your unsaved friends or your work or your neighbors, that situation. You know, it says that they'll know you're Christians by what? The love you have for one another. Love needs to be the paramount thing that people see in our life is the, is the love. And then so, yeah, we don't, it's nice to be smart and be able to argue things and we should study God's word. Workmen need not be ashamed and be able to give an account for the knowledge for our hope that is within us and all these things. But, but you're not going to intellectually argue someone into to heaven, are you? But you can love them. You can love them and pray for them. So live a life of love. And secondly, I wanted on my part of my conclusion is that, that, that not to forget that we're saved by grace. You can't uh, underestimate we were saved by grace, not by works. And that Romans 8, 1, when Paul was talking about this, this sin nature we have and all the struggle, one of the things he proclaimed is that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we have the grace of God. We come to grace. And so we're not talking about being works driven because we're not saved by works. But our works, these good things we want to do to show our love for God is, is, is a fruit, an outgrowth of loving God. It should just be a natural, just like fruit is. Fruit, you water and it comes out. It doesn't, it's not forced. We, we just need to love people because it's what we want to do. It's natural. It doesn't have to be forced. But occasionally, we do have to take that little risky step. Sometimes those actions take a little bit more of saying, can I pass out bulletins and see what God has for you? You know, it may be surprised, you know. I wrote down for the kids, my grandkids and all these movies, they love these movies with the superpowers, right? All, what, you can name them. All, they have these superpowers. When, what's your superpower, right? And they have a whole bunch of these TV shows, more than I remember growing up with, right? And, you know, Superman, I mean, uh, I think Spider-Man's the one that's the most moneymaker, but they have ones that can shoot flames and leap and all these superpowers. And I was thinking, we as Christians have been given superpowers. We have superpowers because we have love. We have an, an, an ability to love through the Holy Spirit as a superpower. We have prayer that can move mountains, that can, say, pick up this tree and throw it in the ocean, that could move the face of a mustard seed. We have the superpower of faith. We have the superpower of the Holy Spirit. It says that you'll receive power to be a witness, both in Jerusalem and Judea and the ends of the world. So we have a superpower. They looked at the disciples and go, weren't these fishermen? How did they become so, you know, because of the power of God? We have these superpowers, and we have the kindness and love of God, and it says, again, I said, if God before us, who can be against, against you? Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this church body and this this smiling warm faces here and just brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I pray that we're all encouraged through your word, Father, and that that we can demonstrate to the world your love that that you showed us, Father, and that we'd be lights, Lord, and they'd see our good works and glorify you and us in heaven, Father, and that we would set aside pride and set aside the flesh and every sin that entangles us, Father God. Bless everyone here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.